Hey guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is your Saturday edition, which means we go behind enemy lines. We're going to welcome in Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet, and we're going to talk all about the Browns' upcoming opponent tomorrow, which is the New York Jets, who visit Cleveland for the home opener for the Browns, who try to go 2-0 and for the first time since like 1994. It's pretty wild. Welcome in. Scott, how are you? Not sure how I feel about being called an enemy, Jake. I thought we were friends. What's going on? <laughs> Hey, enemy in the in a figurative sense in this regard, uh, you know, n- n- nothing there at all, at all. So, uh, listen, we're we're pumped to have you. We're, we think it's going to be a, a great game. I think, um, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people are putting out there, especially the betting lines and stuff like that. Where at this point, when I'm recording this here on Thursday, it's a six and a half point line. But but again, I think it's going to be a little closer than that. I think the Jets are underrated in that sense. So we get to see some familiar faces, Joe Flacco and the like. So. Uh, we'll start with digging into the coaching staff, how you think they're doing this year, uh, what you're excited about, what big changes they made coming into this year. I know we've only seen one game, so you know, let us know a little bit about the coaching staff and, and, and the coordinators and all of that. It's funny because the coaching staff is kind of under fire right now. Well, really, Salah, and it's mostly because of what he said during the week which is that he's taking receipts of all the Jets doubters, which would probably be just about every living human being who's watched a football game at this point, based on what the Jets have done, uh, not only in the opener against the Ravens, but last year too, they added more talent and then they came out very flat against the Ravens. It, it The coaching staff is very much a work in progress. Michael LaFleur was somebody who really struggled to light a fire last year. And then toward the end of the season, things started to pick up. The the thing that was uh, a popular saying was that it was because of Booth LaFleur, because Mike LaFleur at the beginning of the season would call plays from the sideline. Then when he moved up to the booth, he started getting a little more creative, as the kids would say, getting into his bag, using Braxton Berrios on trick plays, even Elijah Moore with some design touches. So you know, Mike LaFleur is a guy who we've seen some flashes from, but then there's other times where you kind of scratch your head at what he's doing. For example, the fact that they didn't use Garrett Wilson, the dynamic rookie who you guys, I'm sure, know, being in the Ohio area out of Ohio State, there wasn't a lot of usage of him in week number one, one of your most dynamic playmakers. That was confusing. Uh, Jeff Ulbrich, the Jets defense was the worst in the league last year, so he's got better talent this year, but it's still one of those things where they the the defense tends to wilt when the offense doesn't pick things up at some point. The defense can only hang on for so long. And and Salah is a guy who we're trying to figure out whether or not he can be a really good head football coach or whether he's just a defensive coordinator who is a really good motivational speaker. It's to be determined. Uh, he had trouble adjusting against the Ravens last week. The team had trouble making adjustments for many of the games last year. So the best way to answer this is by going coach by coach. It's very much TBA with these guys. We don't really know what they can be for sure. There's some positives, there's some negatives, but right now a lot of questions. Yeah, I think I think that's probably fair. Uh, they're dealing with some of the transition that a franchise will do, bringing in a new quarterback and the results pending a lot on that. And I do believe in the football minds that they you guys have there. I think mm-hmm. it, it can work out eventually, but as we all know, it sort of coincides with how well you get uh, the quarterback you take to play well, right? It all kind of rides on that. So I know 
that unfortunately we won't get to see Zach Wilson as, as Joe Flacco has already been named the starter. I think we know Joe Flacco well, so we don't need to dive too well in uh, deep into who Flacco is. But talk about his weapons, Michael Carter, Brees Hall, who got an immense amount of targets and snaps in week one, and then the three wide receivers. And then really they can, you know, you, I know you mentioned Braxton Berrios, two can go to four and, you know, Denzel Mims has fallen a little bit out of favor, but you can get to five too. So it's a deep wide receiver group. And, and then you mix in Tyler Conklin, CJ Ozama. There's a lot of weapons there, right? Yeah. There's definitely a lot more talent on the team this year than there's been in quite a while. The jets have been bereft of especially skill position talent for a really long time. So it's nice to see them with actual playmakers. I will add, by the way, what you were saying with the coaching staff, I don't think anybody questions their football knowledge, but you know, Jake very well, because we've seen this in Cleveland. We've seen this with the jets. There's a big difference between being a coordinator and a head coach. And that's why so few people are able to succeed as a head coach. There's just so much that job entails. So we'll see what happens with Robert Sala. Fingers crossed at the moment, but as far as the offensive talent goes, yeah, you've got Joe Flacco, whose feet look like they were stuck in cement last week, unfortunately. Uh, he's somebody that you expect better from, and I don't necessarily mean that I think he's going to go out there and light it up, but when you watch the tape and you see him standing back there and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, missing open receivers, and then eventually either checking down or throwing the ball into the ground – that's not something you expect from a 15-year veteran and a guy who won a Super Bowl MVP. That's something you expect from somebody who's just coming into the NFL. So that's got to change this week if the Jets want to do anything. But you mentioned the young weapons. And Brees Hall, he did have that fumble. And it's crazy because he only had three fumbles and 800 touches at Iowa State. Fumbles in his first game in the NFL. But other than that, he had some positive plays. He had back-to-back first downs at one point. Michael Carter played really, really well. The concern with Carter is more of a long-term concern because he's a smaller back, 5'8". They list him at 200 pounds, so he's probably closer to 190, 195. And he never gets taken down on first contact. He's always able to fight off that first would-be tackler and stretch for extra yards. And he really is the engine that makes the Jets' offense go the problem, of course, in the long run is going to be you play that kind of style at that size and you're going to wear out pretty quickly. But boy, is he a fun player that both of them can make plays out of the backfield, too. In fact, Brees Hall, we didn't see it in game number one, but if you watch his Iowa State tape, he can run straight up wide receiver routes, which is pretty impressive for a running back. Everybody can catch a pass out of the backfield, but to be able to run wide receiver routes the way that somebody like Le'Veon Bell used to, is a, an enormous weapon that I, that hopefully the Jets take advantage of. And the tight ends, look, they tried a lot of 13 personnel in week one. It didn't work out so well. Tyler Conklin did have a late touchdown in garbage time. He also had a fumble. But he's a guy that, as you said, there's a lot of talent there. And he could very well be playing his best football at this moment. The Jets might have gotten him as he peaked because he had a really nice year in Minnesota. The athleticism. The talent was always there. He just needed to develop. So we'll see if that continues. Ozama didn't really seem to do much, but we'll we'll see if that changes in this game against the Browns. As far as the receivers, look, if you go back and watch the tape, Garrett Wilson wasn't on the field as much as he should have been. But when he was, he was open, and Joe Flacco just wasn't getting him the ball. There was that one highlight reel play where I think it was third and 17, And Garrett Wilson catches the ball a couple of yards from the line of scrimmage and makes like four tacklers miss and gets 
almost to the first down yard marker, which was incredible that he came this close to a first down on that play. But he was open a lot when he was in the game and Flacco just wasn't seeing him. And Elijah Moore, and this was a problem last year too, Elijah Moore was open all game and Flacco just wasn't seeing him. Last year, it was mostly Wilson that wasn't seeing him. So it's funny because you look at the stat line and you see Elijah Moore, he had 49 yards receiving. He got called for an offensive pass interference in the end zone. But if you go back and watch the film and Jake, that's what you do. So you know all about what I'm talking about with the all 22. I'm preaching to the choir in terms of the film, not always matching the box scores. You go back and watch that film and he was open all day. So if Elijah Moore continues to do that, which he seemed to do just about every week, if Flacco can actually see him, that'll cause a, that could potentially cause a problem for the Browns. I know they have a pretty good secondary. Denzel Ward is pretty good. Greg Newsom, who I liked a lot when he came out of Northwestern is pretty good. So they've got a good unit there. But Elijah Moore is going to be trouble for any group of cornerbacks. And also, of course, Garrett Wilson is going to be trouble for anybody. And Brexton Berrios, they could use some trick plays with him. Uh, they succeeded with that a little bit last year, using him in, in that regard. So that's really what the Browns are looking at. I would say that Tyler Conklin is the main tight end they'd have to worry about. And then the receivers, I expect Garrett Wilson to play more. He was open quite a bit when he was on the field. And Elijah Moore... That's the guy you really got to buckle down on because you know what you're getting from Corey Davis. He's solid, steady, nothing special. You know what he does. But Elijah Moore has the ability to burn you on any play and get open on any single play. So the Browns are going to have to get creative to try and figure out a way to stop that from happening. Yeah, the the more Wilson duo in into the future is going to be a, a fantastic duo. Both guys that I really liked and had Cleveland kept their ability to pick a first-round wide receiver this last year. Garrett Wilson was the first guy on my list I was into, right? But, well, really right there with Drake London. So uh, definitely, I'm sure, c- catching Cleveland's eye. And I'll be fascinated to see how they handle more because he is certainly a problem. But as far as getting the football to these guys, it's it's got to be protection. Even if Wilson was playing, you got to protect him. And I think there's some issues up front in terms of health. I know uh, Becton's been out, and, and we're starting a right tackle, a rookie right tackle. So to talk to us through you know, a little bit of the, the, the issues that have popped up, the injuries that have popped up and who's going to be out there on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> this line is interesting to say the least. So Max Mitchell, fourth round rookie out of Louisiana, he ends up starting because Makai Becton got hurt in training camp for the second year in a row. He's going to miss the season. And it was for the second year in a row, freak injury. His foot got caught in the turf. So they go out and they sign Dwayne Brown to take his place And then Dwayne Brown gets hurt. So the Jets end up starting Max Mitchell at right tackle. But by doing that, they had moved George Fant again because last year Fant was supposed to be the right tackle. Becton gets hurt. They move Fant to left tackle. Then this year they say they're going to stick with Fant at left tackle, move Becton to right tackle. Well, then Becton gets hurt. So then it looks like he's going to have to play left tackle. He's going to have to play left tackle. Uh, uh, right tackle rather because Dwayne Brown is coming in and he's played left tackle his entire career and then Brown gets hurt so now he's got to shift back to left tackle and he struggled mightily in week number one now George Fant I think is a serviceable offensive lineman I think Jets fans got a little carried away with his performance last year primarily because he didn't face a ton of elite pass rushers he struggled a lot against the Ravens, and I think he's going to have a lot of problems if Miles Garrett goes up against him on Sunday. But if you look at the rest of that line, 
it really is a work in progress just based on that stuff because they're they use the tight end to chip with Max Mitchell like 50% of the time. They're going to, I would imagine, have to do that again against the Browns. Elijah Vera Tucker was a little shaky in pass pro, but excellent at, uh, uh, in, uh, push in, in getting a push for the run game. He's a guy that I think is going to be an excellent uh, offensive lineman over the long haul, so I'm not really worried about him. Connor McGovern was okay. He's he's solid and steady at center. The one that was a big surprise, though, Jake, was Lake and Tomlinson, the pro bowler. Long career is a very good player for the 49ers, knows the scheme, knows the system, veteran leader. He got destroyed on Sunday, just absolutely eaten alive by the Ravens. And that was the one thing you didn't expect. So we thought that Max Mitchell might struggle because he was a rookie with no experience. We thought that Fant might struggle because he's been moving back and forth, plus coming off an injury. But Tomlinson was a surprise. And if that happens again, the Browns are probably going to have their way against the Jets offensive line, sort of the way that the Ravens did. So that will be the most one of the more fascinating things to pay attention to is how well they're able to protect against Cleveland, just bringing four with this group and what they do to create opportunities um, to help them. And, and then, you know, without limiting how many guys they can get out on route. So that's something my mind will be hyper focused on, uh, especially. Um, you know, interior wise, the McGovern Bear Tucker group, how the Browns defensive tackles are able to to get after the quarterback from the interior. I think that's what's going to be interesting, too, because they were able to generate without, you know, wildly uh, impressive defensive tackle talent. I think that they played pretty well week one. So I'll be cute in there. We're going to take a quick break. Word from our sponsors, and then we will be right back and we'll talk about the defense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we're back. The Jets defense, look, man, the numbers were good. You, you, you played Baltimore really well. You held a team that rushes the football like few others in the NFL. Now their rushing attack is different diverse weirder than anybody else in the nfl there's there's no doubt about that but to keep them in check at around 50 yards or so is impressive no matter who's in the backfield for baltimore so talk about the d-line linebackers and and what we can expect from a uh, perspective of what they'll bring i mean i think it's a 4-3 base am i am i right on that or, or what's it looking like over there yeah it's a 4-3 base they obviously like any other team mix it up quite a bit but the defensive line is very improved Jermaine Johnson had a half sack in his debut, and of course that made me joke that he now has more career sacks than Vernon Golston after one game in the NFL. 
uh, Jacob Martin played pretty well. He had half a sack too. Quinn Williams is the guy that you really got to worry about. Not a surprise. Number three overall pick in the 2019 draft. He's a player who has flashed that dominance at times, but he just hasn't been consistent with it. Hasn't been that player overall that they were expecting when they drafted him at number three overall, but he was fantastic against the Ravens, had a huge pass deflection that held the Ravens to three points instead of seven after Joe Flacco threw an interception. And obviously, John Franklin Myers, another guy they just paid. So he's somebody to watch out for when he's on the edge. He's nowhere near as effective as when he's used inside. So I would hope that they use him more inside. Last week, they kind of mixed it up and it wasn't to John Franklin Myers benefit. But if you take a look at that front seven, much, much better. Carl Lawson also finally getting to play a game after missing all of last year. They they did a really good job against the run. There were times where Lamar Jackson had a little too much time to throw. That's something that they don't want to let Jacoby Brissett do. They don't want to let him get comfortable because even though he's not exactly a playmaker back there, any quarterback in the NFL is given enough time. He can find guys that are open. So. I would say the defensive line of the Jets and the offensive line of the Browns, who were considered one of the best offensive lines in the league, is going to be a very, very interesting matchup because Robert Sala likes to rotate these guys a lot, keep them fresh. That's why he has so many bodies in there. And so I'm curious to see how he deploys all the different defensive linemen and what the usage counts are going to be because that, that was one thing last year that got a little bit of criticism people couldn't understand why he was only playing Quentin Williams something like 40 percent of the snaps I think that may change this year it already started to to change a little bit in week number one so that that'll be a really interesting matchup that I'm looking forward to because the Jets did a good job for the most part against Lamar Jackson and I'm curious to see if they're able to overcome that Browns offensive line yeah such a varied approach to the run game the Browns bring it's it's um you know, as, as effective as Baltimore has been over the years, Cleveland on the flip side, doing it differently. It's, it's uh, it's a really effective approach to, and they were dynamic in week one. So like you said, some of the names up front, Lawson, Williams, Thomas, Franklin Myers, th- those will be, it'll be fascinating to see how Cleveland's able to manipulate that, or if they can't, and if they have to throw it, that's the ideal outcome for any defense. And I'm sure the Jets are talking about it nonstop. If we, if we can get Cleveland into third and pass, make them throw the football a ton or jump out in front early. That's what you want to do. So I'm sure they're preaching that. Secondary's got some talent, man. I think they're a little older at safety, not not older at safety, but seen some talent come and go at that position. But still, between Lamar Marcus Joyner and Jordan Whitehead, some talented guys. But the corner spot is what fascinates me between Sauce and DJ Reed, who I think are talented, talented football players. And I'm sure you feel the same way. So talk about those guys and tell us who's going to be on the field and what that might look like if they go five guys out there with the nickel look. I think the what you said about the Jets secondary is true. They have a much more talented secondary. They had the worst secondary in the NFL last year. I like Bryce Hall. He seems like a good kid, and he's good depth, but he just was not a starting caliber cornerback. Last year, anytime he went up against top receivers, he just got cooked. Brandon Eccles, same thing. He pretty good for a sixth round rookie, but he's a guy that really is more cornerback depth than a starter. And so they went out and they signed DJ Reed in the offseason. And I don't think a lot of us, including me, realized how good DJ Reed is because he's not a name that you know, but you go and you watch his tape and you're like, wow, this kid can really play. He can cover, he can tackle, he can do everything you want him to do, even at five foot nine. He's got those long arms that helps a lot. 
And then they go out and they draft Sauce Gardner at number four. And so now you go from having arguably the worst corners in the NFL to maybe one of the best tandems in the NFL. Sauce Gardner was fantastic against the Ravens, had a pass breakup in the end zone against Mark Andrews, gave up one catch for eight yards. And that was the only reception that Reed and Gardner gave up at all. Uh, In fact, Reed had a really great athletic interception that he dedicated to his father who just passed away. And he actually, he had found out that his father had passed away as he was walking out of the tunnel and still played an incredible game, which is remarkable. The safety play is still a question though, Jake, because it looks like Jordan Whitehead may not play on Sunday. And the, the thing about Jordan Whitehead anyway is Jordan Whitehead, good box safety. He can tackle and he can play the run. But if you leave him alone in coverage, it's going to be a problem. He got cooked for two touchdowns against the Ravens and he's still their best safety. So if he doesn't play, now you're dealing with Will Parks, who just call, got called up off the practice squad. You're dealing with Ashton Davis, a third round pick out of Cal, who they had high hopes for, but hasn't really been able to materialize terrible tackler takes the worst angles you could ever imagine and Lamarcus Joyner who once upon a time was one of the better free safeties in the NFL but that time was a few years ago he's just not the same guy got called for a killer penalty last week in the game against the Ravens that set up an eventual Ravens touchdown so the corners are really good Michael Carter the second their slot corner also very good but the safety play is going to be an issue so if the Browns are going to attack anywhere in the secondary I would say pick on the safeties Uh, stay away from sauce and DJ Reed if you can avoid them and and try and take advantage of the poor safety play Yeah, I would presume they'll try to do that via tight ends, pushing vertically, trying to do some different things off play action. Cleveland does try to stretch safeties as often as they possibly can, especially given that they don't have a ton of uh, separators outside. They want to try to push vertical middle of the field and create some advantageous situations that way. So yeah, great insights there. I will, we'll we'll close with this guy. What are you, what are you leaning toward? Like what's your feeling on this game? Uh, Give us your thought on, on, you know, like, like on yours, it's a little prediction doesn't have to be crazy, but What are you thinking about going into this one? I think the Browns are probably going to win this one reasonably comfortably. My suspicion is that they will, the Jets will do as good of a job as you can of defending the Browns rushing attack. I'm sure that Hunt and, um, and, uh, um, that Hunt and Chubb will both be very, very good on Sunday. I don't know that they're going to have the same level of success, though, that they did against the Carolina Panthers. I think the Jets will will be able to bottle them up a little bit more. It's going to be fun watching Kareem Hunt. He's one of my favorite running backs to watch, and I think there's a lot of similarities between him and Brees Hall. So that uh, that's going to be fun. And if you go back, actually, you know, Matt Campbell and his crew, who were coaches at Toledo when uh, when Hunt was there, they were the coaches for Iowa State when Brees Hall was there. So a little bit of parallel there, but, but I think what's going to come down to is the jets are going to have to make this about Jacoby Brissett. And then it's going to be a matter of finding ways to stop them from the Browns from scoring much at all, because last week they did a pretty decent job of bottling up, up Lamar Jackson, but there were just enough times for Lamar Jackson to have time or buy time with his legs to make enough plays to, to steamroll the Jets, especially since the offense couldn't get anything going. Like I said, Joe Flacco couldn't see anybody open last week, and he was really indecisive, holding the ball way too long, even when he had time. 
if that happens again, the Browns are going to eat him alive on defense. Miles Garrett, I expect to have a big day. And so ultimately, I think this will probably be a reasonably low scoring affair. I don't know that the Browns are going to put up a ton of points, but I think that they'll probably win this one by about a touchdown or so. Uh, it'll probably be competitive into the beginning of the second half, and then maybe the Browns will pull away a little bit. But I, I think you're you're looking at a game where the Browns probably go to two and zero. They do just enough to win. The defense frustrates Flacco, and you're looking at a situation where Jets fans are not going to be all that thrilled with the team coming home zero and two, having to go up against the defending AFC champions, the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I forgot the Jets start off with that run of of AFC North teams, uh, right? You know, all all four back to back to back to back. That's crazy. Listen, Scott, great perspective, man. We we appreciate you enlightening us on coaching staff schemes and and players that will be on the field on on Sunday, man. So we appreciate it a ton. Tell tell people where they can find you if they want to follow along with your work over there. Yeah, absolutely, Jake. It's a pleasure coming on. You know, I love talking to you. You're one of my favorites to. I love picking your brain because you're so great with looking at the film and breaking it down. And I like the fact that you're, you can do it in a way that an average normal football fan can easily digest, which is a skill that is a lot harder to come by than most people realize. So I really appreciate what you do with your show. And I'm glad that you were able to come on play like a jet and I'm happy to come on your show. Anytime you ask, uh, you, people can find our work at, uh, youtube.com slash play like a jet. That's where we do a lot of our film breakdowns. Luke Grant, who I call the thunder from down under because he's from Australia, does some great all 22 breakdowns on our channel there. Play like a jet, the daily podcast, seven days a week, no off days. That's probably why I'm going to end up in a mental institution at some point. You can find that anywhere that you download podcasts, Apple, Google play, Stitcher, Spotify. It's there every single day, brand new episode. And also you can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one again, pleasure joining you, Jake, and happy to do this again, anytime. And hopefully regardless of who wins, I I'm just looking for an entertaining football game on Sunday. Cause unfortunately the jets don't give us a lot of those. Well, we also need each team to remain healthy. That yes. would be important too. Scott, thanks for the kind words, man. I, I, I really admire what you guys are doing over there. And I empathize with the seven days a week pod <laughs> stuff. It is, it is for us crazies, man. We appreciate Scott. We appreciate his time um, and, and, and his insights on this game. And I appreciate you guys for stopping by and listening on this Saturday. So hopefully, whether you're consuming this before your college football or later in the evening, you've learned something about the upcoming opponents as we try to do here on Behind Enemy Lines. So Thanks for checking out today's show. Check it in tomorrow with Brad Ward. We'll have our Sunday morning pregame appetizer podcast for you with weather, betting lines we like, and all the pertinent information to coverage and who's calling the game. And you know what you get at this point, having done it for two years now. So check that out on Sunday morning. A thanks to Scott again for joining today's show, taking his time and giving us the insights. Uh, and, and again, you guys for stopping by, hanging out and checking it out. Have a great Saturday, guys, and go Browns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.